want to say good morning to everyone. Uh, it's good to be in church today, and as we're uh, nearing uh, Christmas, which is just a few short uh, days away, weeks away, uh, for we know we alternate every other week uh, different groups. And so, what groups today? The blue group. Um, the blue group. This is their Christmas service. So. Um, so beautiful to have uh, uh, all of you in church today. Good to see you. Um, it, it's, it's so good to uh, put the cares and the stress of life aside and focus on Jesus today. Amen? Amen. He is everything. He is our reason. Um, he's, he's the reason why we even have breath in our lungs and, and have life in our heart and our soul. And... Uh, he is our everything. And to God the Father, we say, praise you, Lord, for bringing Jesus unto us. Who, he who knew no sin became our sin, that we might become the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. That's Christmas, brothers and sisters and friends this morning, even all of you that are virtual. That is the gospel story. To bring peace and goodwill on earth to mankind, not that it happens just by some magical way, although it was amazing, miraculous, but it happens through surrender to Christ Jesus our Lord. That's when we have peace in our lives, and God's good favor and goodwill is imparted unto mankind. And so we're excited uh, for what God has in store for us today. Um, Brother Larry Watson, uh, who was in our midst with Sister Vanessa last week, uh, today is still in town, uh, and he's going to be speaking to us. Uh, I got a glimpse of the title, and it's pretty exciting, um, and uh, I, I, I'm anxious to see how Brother Larry's going to tie all that together, and the restoration, and Nephi's vision, uh, and how it all relates to the Christmas story, which is, which is so beautiful. And so... Uh, without any uh, further ado, we're going to get our meeting started. I'm going to ask us all to rise. I'm going to ask Brother Anthony to come up and open us in prayer. Let's all bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We're very blessed to be in your presence and gathered in your house, Lord, to see our brothers and sisters and friends here today as well. And we thank you for uh, your goodness in our lives. And even as our brother Pete was just saying, Lord God, for your goodness and your mercy and sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to earth, Heavenly Father, that we were without hope until, Lord God, we had that hope, and we do have that hope, and we have so, so much to look forward to, Lord, even eternal salvation, Lord, in your blessed presence, and also your goodness and your mercy upon this earth, and even, Lord God, the things that you have uh, foretold would take place. We see things unfolding, and we know, Lord God, that your, your, uh, the birth of your Son was foretold so beautifully, and, Lord, every word that came forth from your mouth, was fulfilled, Lord God, and is being fulfilled. So thank you for that, and I pray you would continue to give us that great faith and vision, Lord God, to see even uh, your goodness and your mercy and see, Lord, the great picture that you have and the great plan that you have in our lives. We thank you for all things now in Jesus' name. Bless our brother as you would go forth, Lord. We ask your blessing upon all that would take place, and even those who are watching us, Lord, from... Um, the electronics and the, uh, the virtual medium, I pray that their blessing would be felt as well. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's wonderful to be here. Um, let me get my water first. 
site. I don't want to um, get to where I can't speak because I'm so dry. So um, it's been quite a while since we've been here, but we think of you often. And um, I, I just, uh, I, I'm not used to um, all the protocol that we follow with this new pandemic situation that we have. Um, but we know that with God's spirit, that that is something that we can overcome and that it can make us stronger. So I had a desire today that I would share a Christmas message that may be uh, a little unique from what you've heard before. Um, to be honest with you, I never saw it this way. And I've been ministering for, gosh, almost 50 years. I've never used this particular scripture um, in this context. But I was so blessed by some insight that I, that I believe God gave me that I wanted to share it. And so that's what I want to do. Um, I, I, I want to make sure that I've got everything I need. Did, did you give me that clicker? Okay. I'm not sure what I did with the clicker. I've got this, and I don't know if I have this on. Is this, is this, am I, you're good, you're good. this is okay? Okay. We'll just let uh, Mike uh, advance your slide. No, no. Okay. Because I, yeah, I gave it to you. I don't know where you did with it. Yeah, I. That's okay. You Mike probably did. did. Huh? I said you probably did. I did, but that's. This isn't the greatest way to start this sermon. <laughs> I, if you, if you just will, will um, keep me in your prayers. Uh, this is, this is new to me. And, um. Uh, I, I want to be a blessing. So I'm going to rely on you, Micah. Okay? All right. Um, and it's, I don't have a lot of slides. I'm just keeping it very simple. But what I want to do is, I want to remind you of uh, something we've probably all done at some point. Um, when you go to put together a, a jigsaw puzzle, what do you use to get the puzzle together? What do you always set out in front of you? The picture, right? You got to have the picture. You put, the, you know, it's on the cover of the box. You put that up, and that helps you to put the puzzle together. If you're going to build a building, what do you need? You need the drawings, right? You want to see what the end result is going to look like. And so that's what we want to do today. Um, and I want to bring you back to the story of Nephi. Nephi was a wonderful, wonderful, godly man. And he had a desire, and it says 
what do you desire? This is an angel that came to Nephi. And he said, to know the interpretation thereof. And he was referring to Lehi's dream. Now, the prophet Joel said that there would come a day when our sons and our daughters would prophesy. The old men would have dreams and the young men would have visions. Well, his father was the old man. He had the dream. You've heard of the, uh, Lehi's dream, the dream of the tree of life. Nephi, he said he wanted the interpretation. So what does God do for Nephi? He gives him a vision. And he didn't have the dream. He gets the vision. His father had the dream. So in the vision, the angel shows him, and he says, what do you behold? And I said unto him, a virgin most beautiful and fair above all other virgins. And he said unto me, knowest thou the condescension of God? And I said unto him, I know that he loves his children. And so... We, we see that he had, he wanted to know the, the um, he wanted to know the interpretation of that, of that dream, and, and he wanted to know what, what the fruit on the tree of life was. What is the tree, what is the tree of life? What does it mean? And I always thought it was a little odd when I would read this, that when he asked the question about what the tree of life meant, immediately he sees the, uh, the nativity. Now, this hadn't even happened yet. This was hundreds of years before Jesus would be born, and he sees Mary. And then he sees that Mary has a baby and that she is a virgin. And he's, he sees... Um, that uh, he sees that this, that this baby has some key to what the, what the, the, the love of God is, because he understands that the, that the um, fruit of the tree of life is the love of God, and that it's sweet above all that is sweet, and it's white above all that is white. So, in order to understand how that fits in, I want to go back to the Garden of Eden, because that's where we first see the tree of life, right? In the Garden of Eden, there were lots of, lots of plants, lots of trees, and everything there was available to Adam and Eve. They were able to eat all of it, except one tree the tree of the, of the knowledge of good and evil. And um, the most important tree that was there is the tree of life. Well, of course, we know the story that, you know, I mean, they had, they had it so wonderful, there was only one commandment that they had, and they couldn't keep that. Um, so, 
you know the story, how they were enticed and they ate of the, uh, of the fruit of the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil. And right at that moment, the very thing that God said would happen, happened. They died. Well, how did they die? I mean, they were still living, weren't they? And yet, it says that they died. So what sense can we make out of that? And I think that's very important for us to understand to have the big picture and how that relates to us today. Because what happened at that moment is they were cut off. They were cut off from God. They were cut off from the Garden of Eden. They were cut off from the Tree of Life. When they were cut off from the Tree of Life, that meant that they were cut off from something that sustained them, that gave them um, eternal life. How does that make sense? And how does that fit in with this? And it's a mystery. A mystery that God reveals to us as we open our heart to him. And just like Nephi, he was asked the question, what do you desire? And he said, I desire to know the interpretation of Lehi's dream. And the question for us today is, what do we desire? What is our desire? Why did we come here today? And what does all this mean? Why is it important? And what we find out is that the tree of life has meaning that's also unfolded in this, in this vision because the vision that Nephi had did not stop there at seeing the nativity because then he saw um, Jesus and his ministry. And remember, he saw the apostles. He saw that Jesus would be crucified. And then he saw all the way down through the corridors of time, even to our day today and even beyond. In other words, he saw the big picture. The big picture that you and I need to see today. That we might understand what God wants of us. Why did Nephi want to see and understand? Was it just so he'd had that knowledge? No. It was because we want to, in order for us to live life to the fullest and experience all that God has for you and I, experience his peace, experience his joy, find meaning in life, we need to know what his commandments are. We need to have that big picture that we would fit in and fulfill all that God has for us. And so that's what he asked. And then we see 
he even saw all the way to the point where that um, um, when, when at, at the very end, he had, he had seen the destruction of the Nephites on this land and even saw to the end of time. And he was told, this part that you now see, you will not write because it will be left to John the Reveler, John the Apostle. He will write that final chapter. Well, where is that? That's the book of Revelation. Now, when you read the book of Revelation, is it easy to understand? No. It's written in, in, in a way that is very difficult to, to understand. And yet, if we seek God's truth, he will unfold that to us. But what Nephi wrote is very easy for us to understand. So we see that, um, that Nephi was invited to partake of the tree of life. And so is his whole family. They followed the rod of iron. And um, when they followed the rod of iron, which is the word of God, they made it to the tree of life, and they began to partake. And when that happened, they were brought back into the presence of God. Remember I, I mentioned that, that they were, when they were cut off, that was the idea of death. But they, he was shown by, um, by the Lord by that angel, that he could, while he was still alive, in his day, that he could be brought back and that he could experience through this, this beautiful scene that he saw of Christmas, the birth of Christ. He was shown that this was the path that was going to lead back to having union and uh, a relationship with God. And you and I have that same opportunity, don't we? So I want to, uh, can you go to the next scripture, the next slide? So it says, I looked and beheld the virgin again, bearing a child in her arms, and the angel said unto me, Behold the Lamb of God, yes, even the Son of the Eternal Father. Knowest thou the meaning of the tree which thy father saw? And I answered him, saying, Yes, it is the love of God which sheds itself abroad in the hearts of the children of men. Wherefore, it is the most desirable above all things. And he spake unto me, saying, Yea, and the most joyous to our soul. So we know that we have access. We have been given access to the tree of life today. So, as he saw the, um, that vision unfold, and I talked to you about you know, that, that, um, that, that building, the idea of being able to see the, the, uh, the blueprints, how the building looks. I, I remember that uh, um, as a family that we had a project, we were going to build something. And 
we talked about what that was going to look like. And, uh, and then our whole family got involved in that project. And it brought us together as a family. It was a really uniting experience. So today, that, that's something that can unite us as a church, a shared vision. And God has given that to us. So what is that shared vision that God has given us? Isn't it the idea that our, our role as a church is to restore the kingdom of God on earth? The idea of restoration. And that's that part that I remember I, we started with the idea of this connection between restoration, Nephi's vision, and Christmas. Okay? How are they connected? And how does that all connect in the end? Well, he kept seeing this, the, the, uh, this vision unfold of the tree of life. And then he goes down to, to, the, to the restoration part. And we're, I don't know if we fully appreciate our role in history, that we are in this dispensation of time. We're not in the dispensation of time of, of apostasy. That doesn't mean there isn't apostasy around us. But as the people of God, as his church, we are in that dispensation of restoration. He is restoring us back to the Garden of Eden, back to the Tree of Life. So I want to go to the next, um, can you go to the next slide, Micah? And this, we're going to jump ahead now in the story. And to the time when Jesus came to the land of America. And it says in 3 Nephi, the 11th chapter, 9 through, through 17, And it came to pass that he stretched forth his hand and spake unto the people, saying, Behold, I am Jesus Christ, whom the prophets testified shall come into the world. And behold, I am the light and the life of the world. And I have drunk out of that bitter cup which the Father hath given me, and have glorified the Father and taking upon me the sins of the world, in the which I have suffered the will of the Father and all things from the beginning. Let's go to the next slide, Micah. And the word was made... Now, back up. Okay, so what, what happened was that when, when Jesus came to, uh, to, to the land of America, he stretched forth his hand. And what they saw when he stretched forth his hand was the nail print. But Jesus didn't want, it, want them to just see it. He wanted them to experience what he went through for them. Do you remember what he did at that point? What was it that Jesus did that was so beautiful? He invited them to come forward. Now, do you know how many there were that day? It tells us. You're close. 2,500. He invited them to come forward so that they could touch the nail prints 
and so that they could touch the, the, the wound in his side and see the, the nail print in his feet. But there was something about that that I never fully appreciated until recently. It says that he invited them to come one at a time. Now, they might have come as a family. Now, think about that. There was 2,500 people. Let's say that they had a families, an average size of five people. Um, if they would come one family at a time, let's say that they had a minute each, now that's not a lot. And they went forth and they spent one minute with Jesus alone to touch him, to embrace him. Do you know how long that would have taken? Over eight hours. Imagine that. Here they are going forward. That's the Savior that they were that they were experiencing that day, that they were meeting. They had never seen him before. Now, imagine they had just come through the, this terrible destruction on the land of America. Everything was leveled or was up. It was, there was great upheaval. Um, there was water where there shouldn't have been. And where there, there wasn't water, there was, or they, they saw it. Everything had... Um, Everything was, was destroyed. And when Jesus came and descended, they were told that he had brought about that destruction. You know, we don't think of that. When we think of Jesus, we don't think of someone that would pour out his wrath like that upon the, the, the family of, of men. And yet, he had done that. It was... It was in a, as a prelude to his coming. He had to purify. And he, that judgment they brought on themselves. And so they see this, this um, um, who they know to be the Son of God. Jesus says, or God says, that this was his beloved Son, Hear ye him. And they were so frightened by what they had come through. And then they see the Lamb of God that they couldn't picture how could this Lamb of God do this. And they, they don't realize that the Lamb of God is also the Lion of Judah. And so he invites them to come forward and they see the... Um, and they, they are brought back into the presence of God. And so, how does that relate? Again, going back to the tree of life. What is the connection between all of that? And I kept searching, you know, what is the connection? And Nephi saw that, um, that what took place that day and what Jesus talked about was his doctrine. You remember he, he said, this is my doctrine? And it was very simple. He talked about his doctrine. And what was his doctrine? It was faith, repentance, baptism, 
through water and the Holy Spirit and enduring to the end. That was what he spoke of. That was the doctrine of Christ. So as they, as they followed that doctrine and we go into the waters and we're baptized, what are we doing when we're baptized? We're entering into a covenant with him. But in that covenant, what happens? It's like when um, at a wedding. We go to a wedding, we see the, the bride and the groom, they're brought together in holy matrimony. They enter into a covenant. And then after they enter into a covenant, the way God designed it is that they consummate their, their marriage. And, and, and in that, they have that a physical intimacy and they become one. The world has twisted many of the things that God, um, that God established. And many times we see people wanting that intimacy before the covenant. And it doesn't work that way. First comes the covenant, and then comes the intimacy. They become one. And we understand that when we are brought into the waters of baptism, and we enter into that covenant, we also enter into the, the, that, the act of what Jesus did. He was buried, right? And then he arose on the third day. When we, are, when we are dropped into the water and then we come up, we are entering into what Jesus did. We're entering into a communion with him. We're brought back into the presence of God. We're allowed to partake of the tree of life. Well, what is that tree? What is the tree of life, and what does it mean to partake? Well, let's go a little further and, and see how that picture comes, comes forth. Um, because Jesus did something else when he came to the land of America. Remember, he talked about baptism, and he had them baptized again. Some of them had already been baptized, and they were baptized again. But this time, they were baptized under Christ not just repentance. So he then did something else that was so important. So important that he did it twice, actually, on two different occasions. After they were baptized, remember what he did? Yeah, he had communion. Breaking of bread. The partaking of the wine. And he said, this is my body. This is my body, broken for you. If you want to partake of me, you must partake of this bread. And then he said, and this is my blood. You must drink this wine if you want to partake of me. So, you know, we think of that fruit of the tree of life and what is that fruit? It's 
spiritually, when we partake of the bread and when we partake of the wine, we are partaking of Christ. It's that fruit, that the fruit that in a spiritual sense that gives life, right? When we're baptized, we're given life. We're brought back into the presence of God. When we partake of communion, when we do that every, every week, hopefully, now we haven't been able to do that. We try to do it as often as we can. We understand why we do that, what the importance is. We, in order to feel the, the joy that we are seeking, the peace, there are so many people that are seeking peace and, 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 and are, are bitter today and are angry and are lost. Why? Because we don't have that big picture and we haven't entered in. We haven't come back into the presence of God. Some who are in rebellion, active re, act, and, and a, actual rebellion to God. And yet, the picture is very simple. He doesn't ask a lot of us. But he wants us to restore his kingdom. Restore what we had in the Garden of Eden. And this is an important part. The doctrine of Christ. So, the, um, the story of Christmas, we, we want to put that in that context of how, the, um, how this all fits into the restoration. And you know, I, um, I just feel like um, I've had, I, those of us in, in our, our mission, we've come through a very challenging time and um, we've had to remind ourselves of the basics of the gospel. Why did we go to Red Lake? Why did we go to Sabanito? What are we trying to do there? What has God given us? What is the vision that God has given us as a church? Remember, um, there's a, a hymn, a song that... Um, uh, Tim's sister wrote years ago and it's stand up for the restoration and there's a line in there where it says restoration is the key right and what's the next part of that restoration is the key to unlock Joseph's history okay well why does that matter why does it matter and why has that united our church? What is, that, what is the purpose? It matters a lot, doesn't it? Where is that history? It's in the Book of Mormon. What have been, we've been talking about? This vision came from the Book of Mormon. It unlocks Joseph's history because Joseph is going to have an important role today. Israel is going to have an important role. And we need to be united as a church behind that. If we want to be blessed, we must be obedient to what God has given us. Even when things don't always make sense. 
And uh, I want to I read something to you because it, um, it had a lot of meaning to me, and I want to share it with you. You know that recently we lost um, two brothers in our branch who were very important in our work. And their loss was uh, a devastating loss to us. That's the, uh, the um, passing of, of Dwayne first, and then uh, Dennis, Dennis Calabrese. And when Dennis passed away, I got a call from a brother, Brother Paul Pazenti. He's from Ohio. He's a, an evangelist in the church. And he felt to call me because he knew how close we were, how close I was to Dennis and Dwayne. We had ministered for over 45 years together. And um, he just felt to encourage me. And in the middle of our conversation, I don't know why, but this dream came back to me. And it was not a dream that I had. It was a dream that another brother had, a young brother from our, our mission. And in the dream, he saw um, that we were in this, um, in this battle and that the enemy was sending wave after wave of, of um, men who were attacking us from every side. We were completely surrounded. And he saw in the dream that we were taking heavy casualties and that many, there were, the losses kept mounting. And we got to the point where we realized that the next, the next attack, we would not be able to withstand it, but that we would be overrun. And we just appealed to God and prepared for whatever God had for us. And it was at that moment, after we prayed in this dream, that we looked up and we saw in the hills all around, filled with warriors, Native American warriors, and they were everywhere. And at, they gave the command and they began to sweep down into that valley. And we knew that they were coming to rescue us. And I shared this dream to Brother Paul. And as I did, I began to break down and I began to weep. And he began to break down. And I felt like I was reliving that dream, you know. I was in that dream. There were so many casualties everywhere I looked. People who had lost that vision, turned their back on it and walked away from it. And how it had sometimes been discouraging to us. What would we do? Would we also lose that vision? The vision Nephi had, so such a beautiful vision that now we have as a church it has been given to us. The vision of the restoration. And so I... I, uh, we had a, a virtual meeting, and there was quite a, quite a number of people on this virtual meeting, and it was um, uh, during the time of that 
the NEOC wanted to have a fast and prayer, and then we had that meeting, and I felt to share this dream. And I asked that, um, I prayed to the Lord, and I asked that if this dream is of you, then the gift of tongues would be spoken in this virtual meeting. And that's exactly what happened. And I wanted to read to you what was said, um, the interpretation of the tongues. It's know now, know now this day that my promises are true. Know now that I have created a place and my servant rests with me this day. Know now that you will see, you will see the coming home of my children. Who, who are... Who is he referring to? My children. Israel. That was the desire that Jesus had when he came to, to this world and he walked this, the land, the holy land. What did he desire to do? Restore the house of Israel. He was coming as the king. And yet they rejected him. They didn't see that he was the king. And when he was put on the cross, the tree of life, when he was put on that cross, what happened? They were, they were killing the very, the, the very son of God that came to restore them, that they might partake of that tree of life. says, no, that you will see the coming home of my children. And yes, this time is now. Prepare, prepare as you hear, that you may be part, thus saith the Lord. And that's, our, that's the message that I have. Prepare that we might be part. Could that day be today? Could we be living in that day? when we will see the fulfillment of God's promises. Are these experiences that we have heard so many, so many experiences over, over um, decades in my lifetime since I was a boy, could we be living in that day today? And as we labor to fulfill that, and as we unite as a people, will we begin to see the Lord give us that joy, give us meaning, and that we will begin to see the joy of having Israel come home, that we would have a part of that. We hear that. We heard about the, um, that fruit that is sweet above all that is sweet, white above all that is white. Do you want to partake of that fruit? I think we all do. We all do. We have to follow that rod of iron. Um, I want to leave with you uh, one other story that uh, um, when Sister Sylvia passed away, we have a lot of memories of her. 
But there was one memory in particular that I wanted to share with you. Um, it happened when we first, my first trip to um, the Navajo Reservation was at, for a work project. And the work project was in Chinle, which is in the center of the reservation. And we went up there, uh, the first time we went, there were 60 of us, and then the second time, it was twice as many, there was 120. And um, it was uh, in the end of March, I grew up in Southern California, and, and the end of March, it's beautiful, you know? I mean, the weather is, is uh, it's warming up, and what I, I had no idea what the weather was like at 7,000 foot elevation. And that, that week, it was so cold. And this one particular night, um, it got down to 10, below, or 10 above, and uh, it snowed. And we were camping. I was in a tent. I don't know if you've ever camped in 10 degree weather. It's not fun. And I was cold. I was young, but I was cold. And, and we had had several days of this, you know. We were, um, it was challenging our faith. And I remember I woke up and I heard this man, this brother, I won't tell you what his name was. <laughs> he, was a, he was a good brother, but he was, he had had enough. <laughs> and he was saying, and it was, he was saying in a loud voice, he said, I can't take anymore. I'm going home. He said, yeah, look, we're, 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 we've been working all week, and, and it's cold at night, and you know, going on and on. And, and, and the sweet sister, he said, oh, brother, and she called him by name, don't you know that, um, that if, we, if we don't give up, that the the blessing comes after the trial of our faith. He says, the Lord gave me uh, an experience last night, and he told us that we were going to be like Gideon, like the, the story of Gideon. He started out with 32,000. God said, that's too many. And so he had whoever, you know, was, was afraid to go into battle, who, who didn't, want to, didn't want to be a part of it, you can go home. And so I think, what was it, 20,000 went home. And then he was, Gideon looked at the, the number that, that he had, and he saw the, the Midianites that were out there, and there was like uh, how many hundreds of thousands? And he said, well, you know, at least I have 10, 12,000 left. God said, you still have too many. And there was another test. And after the second test, then, there was only 300. And she said to him, I want to be part of that 300. Because I'm not going. And when she said it so sweetly, and here this, this, this young sister and it touched his heart. And he said, I'm not leaving either. I'm not, I'm not going to leave what's going to happen here. And, um, 
That sister was Sister Sylvia Curry. And when I heard her say that, and I was in my tent, and I thought to myself, I'm not going either. I'm going to see what God has for us. And the next night, we had a meeting. That meeting lasted until 1.30 in the morning. Have you ever been to a church service that lasted till 1.30 in the morning? Not too many of us have. I remember that, and I don't have time to share all that happened, but the meeting was so powerful. It was the most powerful meeting I've ever been in in my life, without question. The meeting was so powerful that um, in the middle of the meeting, there were several young people who were being, they were being um, attacked by the enemy. Remember, we were under attack. There were so many things were going on. And, and it kind of crescendoed at that moment. And some of them became uh, afraid. They were frightened, and they asked the, the elders to lay hands on them. And they would lay hands on uh, one young person, and another would, would be attacked. And they would come forward. Finally, as they were laying hands on these two sisters, they were twins. And, and it was, wasn't uh, Patty and Barbara. It was another set of twins. And Brother Frank Gennaro, I think um, most of you know him. Well, he's lame in one foot. And in the middle of the prayer, he's not even doing the anointing. He says, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. And he cast the devil out, and there was just this beautiful peace that came into the, the congregation. And he kicked his foot when he did that. Remember, one of his foot was lame, and yet he kicked his foot out. At that very moment, a sister had a vision. In the vision, she saw Jesus Christ ride in on a white stallion. And he went over he rode over to where they were anointing that girl, those two girls. And he said, leave them, they're mine. And the devil refused. And he raised his sword. And when he raised his sword, the devil fled. And that was the moment when Brother Frank spoke the word of the Lord. After that, that meeting absolutely took off. Everybody testified. And then after the meeting, we stood and we kept going on and on. And so I, I just, uh, it was just such a beautiful experience. I, I, I just wanted to leave that with you. And, and I, I'm just so blessed to be here and to share this day with you. And may you have a wonderful Christmas. May God bless you. What a wonderful lesson, and um, this has always been, and I, I think you would agree with me, one of our favorite scriptures, and a scripture that we love so much, and the vision of Nephi, and, and how it does tie to Christmas, and, and the nativity, and, and what the meaning of Christmas is. And I love how Larry so beautifully tied the tree of life to Jesus, 
I, I have to say, brothers and sisters, you've heard me preach this from this rostrum many times, that Jesus Christ is our tree of life. What did the tree represent? It re represented eternal life. You eat from this tree, you'll live forever. Jesus is our eternal life. He gives us spiritual eternal life. And how Larry so beautifully, as Nephi has this vision, and then the Lord says, John will, will put the icing on the cake. <laughs> the Apostle John. Why is Jesus our tree of life? Because there's only one that will be in the midst of paradise. That's Jesus Christ. The tree of life in second chapter of Revelation says it's in the midst of paradise. Can you imagine? When you look at this communion table, brothers and sisters, hopefully you can even see it virtually. This represents the love of God. This represents Jesus to us. Oh, how important it is that we partake and partake worthily. says of that tree. <laughs> I get excited when I think about it. All the way at the last chapter of Revelations, it says that tree, this is beautiful river, this crystal clear water flows from the throne of God and from the Lamb. And in the midst of the river, there's a tree of life that bears fruit every month. Twelve different kinds of fruit for the year. And its leaves are the healing for the nation, the scripture says. And we know that that fruit so beautifully represents the, condesc the condescension of God and the, the love of God. And it's sweet above all fruit. Funny story. Larry told us a couple stories and you know, in our church, we have semi-annual conferences, and we go back, and the whole nation in our church gathers at conference, and oh, how many wonderful memories we have of, of our older brothers and sisters attending faithfully, and we'd be there. And, and there was this wonderful tradition where, um, I have to make you laugh, many of you might have heard this, maybe some haven't, but there's this wonderful tradition, many of us are Italian in our church, and we would go to this Italian store in, in the city where our, our World Conference Center was. And one Sunday after church, we went into this Italian store to kind of stock up on some of the goodies. And there was one of our old Italian ministers dedicated from the Glassport branch. And he was shopping in there. And it's a family-owned company. And the wife of the, uh, of the uh, family, that, I don't even know her first name. I just know her last name was Mrs. Delallo. She was waiting on our brother. His name was Brother Al Manolfi. And he was as passionate about Italian food, I think, as I am. And that's being a lot passionate, let me tell you. I get excited. I, talk, I get giddy. When I hear we're going to eat in paradise, I'm excited. I have to tell you. You can't take that away from me. And so I'm watching him at this deli counter, and he is just like, he is just so excited. And he's, he's buying provolone, and he's buying prosciutto, and he's buying the cabagul. And, you know, and I even say it like the Italian, so you can, you can figure 
that out. And I'm watching, and he catches me out of the corner of his peripheral, and he turns to me, and he's got a prosciutto in one hand and a provolone in the other, and he says, Brother Pete, this is how he used to talk, too, this is what's going to be on my tree of life. <laughs> and Mrs. Delalo's looking at him. She knew he was a minister of our church. She knew all our people. And she said, do you think so? Well, I think Brother Alma took a little liberties with Revelation 22, his fruit. But I'm okay if that happens in the paradise of God, let me tell you. But I am even more okay with partaking of Jesus in that beautiful city of God that we'll inhabit someday. And I agree with Brother Larry. This all will come full circle. Here on this earth and in this great land of America, there will be a restoration someday like we've never seen. Both Jew and Gentile, every nation, kindred, tongue, and people will be restored unto the Christ, the Jesus Christ, the King of this land, and the God of the whole earth. To those that won't surrender and bow unto him, there'll be a great judgment. I, want, I know for me personally, and I hope for you, I want to be numbered among God's people that have surrendered my life to Jesus. That has been buried in that liquid grave and resurrected in the newness of life. That weekly partakes of his body and of his blood. That we might have a place with God's people and a seat among his righteousness. And so that's, that's Christmas, brothers and sisters and friends. What an opportunity we have. And for those of us, to Brother Larry, Sister Vanessa, who've been called to a great work among the seed of Joseph, to the many that have been called, we all have a calling to give Jesus Christ to people. We have a calling right here in this branch to give it to our families and to our neighbors and our friends that Christ might be glorified and lifted up. That's why he came. And so, may God bless you. For the blue group, we might not see you again before the holidays, probably. Merry Christmas. This is a season of hope. And though we have much heartache right now, and we have all of the statistics we hear every day being broadcast in the highest volume we could take in our ears. No one thing. This is what the prophet Jeremiah says. With all the calamities of this world, and the evil, and the sickness, and the pestilence, and the diseases, if it weren't not for the mercies of God, we would be consumed, brothers and sisters. But we're not. His compassions, they fail not, praise God. And his mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And so, I want my portion. How about you? Do you want your portion to be of God and of the Lord and of the things of God in my life? I don't want a portion of anything else. 
And I know that if I have the portion of Jesus in my soul, I'll be okay. I'll be safe. I'll have joy, which is how he wants us to live. So may God bless you, Merry Christmas. May the Lord bless you, brothers and sisters, in the coming year. May we see healing upon this nation like we've never seen. May we see Christ lifted up. May God bless you. Today is my prayer to our virtual audience. Uh, we'll look forward to spending time with you next Sunday, the gold group, in, in lifting up Jesus again to the great Christmas season. To Larry and to Vanessa, God bless you if we don't see you. Merry Christmas to you and your beautiful family, to all of you. And so we're going to bring our meeting to a close, and we're going to ask uh, that we might have a closing prayer. Let's all rise. Brother Brian, you want to come up, and then you can just stay up here for the... Uh, Let us all bow our heads. Righteous and eternal Father, we thank you, Lord, for this Sabbath day, this opportunity and this great privilege that we have, Lord, to come together, even as your children here below, that we might celebrate, Father, the birth of thy son, Jesus Christ. And we celebrate your love, Lord, for each and every one of us, for your mercy and for your grace, for this great privilege, Lord, to be called a child of the Most High God. And I pray, O oh Lord, that this spirit of celebration, Lord, would stay within our heart all year long. O oh Lord, that our focus would be upon thee and upon your blessings, Lord, that you have for your children. I pray that you would uplift those that are downtrodden, those that might be afflicted or not able to attend our midst. I pray, Lord, that you might strengthen them and give them that peace and that goodwill, Lord, that you have for all mankind. Father, not just today, but throughout our lives. I pray, Father, that you would dismiss us with your blessings. We pray in Jesus' name.